You're a swimmer, a cyclist, a runner. You're a triathlete. You're a conqueror of the multi-sport mentality. You seek greatness in your everyday life. But as an age grouper, your forte is the physical fitness that you strive for. Endurance is your middle name. You're listening to the Age Grouper for Life podcast, the ultimate source for living the triathlon lifestyle. Colin and Elliot will discuss the most optimal training techniques to get you where you want to be mentally and physically so you're ready to bring it. You can do it. Ready to bring it? Welcoming your host, Peak Triathlon and USAT certified coaches, Colin Cook and Elliot Kawaoka. What's going on, everybody? This is Colin with. Hey, guys, it's Elliot. And this is episode number 65. Uh, where we're going to be talking to Mr. Greg Glenn, who's uh, an old friend of mine here back from my uh, college hockey days. And uh, we'll, we'll tell uh, his spin here, but uh, how are we doing, Greg? We're doing awesome, guys. Great to be with you. Great to be talking with athletes and uh, helping them out, uh, building their athlete brand and something we're all familiar with, obviously, with sponsorships and all kinds of things in uh, your world. So uh, there's a lot of things that athletes are doing. I'm glad to be part of it. Very cool. Well, if you can't, you can't already tell from that beautiful articulate voice here, you know, Greg is a, is a man that, uh, so we actually met when I was at Quinnipiac university and he was our commentator for the hockey team. So, uh, used to travel with us and, uh, was just part of the team, you know? So, uh, it's, uh, it's great. And unfortunately that's a few too many years ago than I'd like to admit now at this point. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. It's funny that, uh, you know, you look back and you start doing the math on some of the stuff now. Like when, when we were younger, it could be like, oh, that was a few years ago. Now you're like, wait a second. That definitely wasn't a few years ago. <laughs> but it's all good. But um, yeah, Greg, why don't you give us a little background in yourself? I know you did play some sports yourself growing up too. like give it start there and then uh, let's hear a little bit more of what you've been up to. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, excited to share my story because, as I like to say, every athlete has a story. Uh, just more of them need to be told. So uh, when I started out, um, I was playing sports. I started playing tennis when I was like four years old. I uh, grew up in a great uh, family that supported you know, me playing sports. My dad loved sports. And my mom, I think, eventually grew into loving sports. Uh, and so what ended up happening was I was an athlete. I played, you know, every, everybody plays, you know, the typical baseball, you know, played some basketball, played, played hockey. Uh, and then I started golfing. So I was playing three different sports by the time I got to high school. And uh, my sophomore year of high school, I had a back injury uh, that basically was like a slip disc where the doctor... Uh, said to me that if I continued to play, there was a chance that, you know, I could take a pretty good hit and uh, have a, a more of a slip disc and, and risk, you know, maybe even being potentially paralyzed. Uh, so I realized that that probably wasn't going to be a good option for me uh, at that point. And uh, I realized that, you know, hockey was my probably my favorite sport um, at that time. And so I ended up starting broadcasting the games uh, with a bunch of high school buddies of mine. 
Uh, you can imagine what that must have looked like uh, <laughs> <laughs> on cable access. Uh, but that was a good time. It gave me experience uh, in the broadcast booth. And as Colin alluded to, that's how I find I found my calling. Uh, I started broadcasting those games, realized uh, for two years that this is what I wanted to do. Applied to Quinnipiac, uh, got in. Uh, and funny story, didn't realize that the hockey program was really even as strong as it was back then. They were just about ready to go D1. Uh, and we'll bring this all for a circle. My mom, who's big in the education space, said, did you know they have a good hockey team? And I said, no. And I'm like, this is coming from my mom. So I'm like, really? <laughs> like, where are we getting this from? And uh, but she's in the education space and she was connected to a lot of colleges during that time. And she said, yeah, it's probably worth a look. And then you go on campus, as Colin knows, and it's like, how can you not love it? Uh, so I did that and uh, did the broadcasting there for four years. I still golf. Um, I do play kind of pickup hockey, you know, uh, nothing too major. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's tough as an athlete, as you guys know, uh, to kind of pull away from the sport you love so much. So that's kind of how I kind of decided to, you know, be pliable in, in my sense as an athlete. And then it made me realize as I started my own company that that's what I had done. And uh, there's so many athletes that do the same thing. Yeah. But then after school, right, you continued broadcasting, right? Yeah. So after school, I really had found my calling at Quinnipiac uh, because I was able to broadcast games. And this was the beauty of it is that because they were just going D1, uh, because internet streaming, this is like one thing that Colin, you probably don't even know about, but this was a huge battle is to get games on the internet because it was like, who had rights to it? Did Quinnipiac have rights? Did the student run radio station, which was all fired up about it. Did they have rights, uh, you know, to be broadcasting? Of course you're going worldwide. And so, you know, the school wants to protect its rights. So eventually what ended up happening was I got to do the games professionally on WQUN, uh, which was the professional radio station. I did some other sports. So like your volleyball, your soccer, some basketball, that was all on the student run radio station. Uh, so I got a ton of experience and I used all that experience to get my first job, which was with the Portland Pirates uh, hockey team in the American Hockey League. We were talking about our ages and that dates me a little bit now because they're no longer here in Portland. <laughs> so, uh, so you, you know, when you have to start explaining your resume versus like having it actually, you know, uh, be something that still exists. Uh, but that was, that was great. I was there from 2004 to 2009. Uh, then I ended up joining a PR and marketing firm. I had a back surgery. That eventual back injury kind of caught up with me. Uh, and so I ended up having surgery and then I started to slow things down. So then I didn't want to get on buses as much, you know, 40 hours a week. That was not appealing. Uh, so I then joined a PR marketing firm, was there for 12 years, pandemic hits. And I decided that, you know what, it's time to refocus, uh, take a look at some priorities in life. You know, I've got a young daughter and I realized that, you know, I've got the opportunity to do something pretty special here. And then when name, image, and likeness stuff happened uh, with the NCAA, that was really kind of the final straw for me that said I could do all this work, marketing, PR, broadcasting, branding for athletes, which is where I want to be. So, Right on. So hence pliable here. So you kind of uh, summed it up there, but do you want to give like a quick uh, two minute here on what the goal is of pliable? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, speaking of the pandemic, I think we all realized we all had to be a little more pliable, uh, which means to obviously adapt uh, to our current situations. It also stems from Tom Brady uh, and his muscle pliability. So I've actually been down to Foxborough. I've done the TB12 method. 
Uh, I've had my body work done um, and I know all about the pliability. Uh, so it's, it's great to obviously affiliate with athletes because they understand pliability. They also understand pliability because of the pandemic. Uh, but that's why I call my company pliable. And as athletes, we all have to also be pliable to not just be successful during our career, but after as well. And so that's, that's really why pliable applies so much to, to my athletes and the athletes I work with. Cool. Cool. So tell us more. I know we're, you're kind of getting into triathlon and I think maybe our conversation and you know, uh, actually he's a, knows Jared Shoemaker, a couple other triathletes and things like that. So, you know, we're, we're, we're still building the mold with him a little bit here, but uh, he's, he's well (laughs) on his way here. So, um, and actually what sparked our reconnection, right. Was, was main 70.3 coming to your now hometown, right? Yeah. Like, so, so this is what happens. I'm like, we, I'm, I'm starting the business and then I'm here we're going to have an Ironman event here in Augusta. And I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> I'm like, let's get all these athletes in here and uh, let's, let's have them build their brands. And I think the timing is just unreal uh, because I think that this is going to be such an opportunity to, to showcase our great state. Uh, Augusta is booming. Uh, this, this city has come a long way. Uh, and there's a lot of restaurants that people are going to enjoy going to a lot of, uh, outdoor activities. I mean, Maine is just full of it. Uh, so that's going to be really exciting. And then the opportunity to, to reach out to these athletes and do a workshop on athlete branding was really something I was excited about doing uh, as well. So we've got a great venue. We've got great venues here for a lot of different things. I know from even speaking with people, like the hotels are pretty much already booked for that weekend, <laughs> you know, so uh, people aren't messing around and they know they no need to book. And so it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we definitely, uh, triathletes are planners for the most part, right? We don't, we don't wait till last minute. You know, you could ask probably at least 95 out of hundred triathletes right now. And they could tell you what their whole race schedule is going to be for, you know, 2022 and where they're going and, and have most of their stuff booked here for sure. Yeah. So, um, no surprise there, but, uh, it is good, you know, and definitely what I think draws the community to be interesting in hosting these events here, you know? Well, I, I also think too, you know, you mentioned Jared Shoemaker. I went to high school with Jared, <laughs> you know, like back at Lincoln Sudbury and, uh, we, he played baseball as well. He was, he was a great baseball player. Uh, and so, you know, to see him get involved with triathlons when he was on the Wheaties box, I'll never forget going into Hannaford supermarket and seeing your high school friend on the front of a Wheaties box. (laughs) That, that was an eye opener. Uh, and, and so that, that made me pique my interest. He actually reached out to me when I started my company. Uh, he's now a financial advisor, um, down in Florida. And, uh, so I really appreciate Jared doing that. And, I've also seen the, you know, increase in popularity in, in triathlons. And I think that that is something that's really appealing to me as a business owner to be able to help these athletes that need those sponsorships that need to put the sport on the map, uh, as well as put themselves on the map. And I think you're getting into this at the perfect time because I think the PTO really has helped the professional triathlon community by just, I mean, I'm, I'm always watching YouTube videos about on the pros and I mean, there's all these photographers doing all these social media posts, but I think we need more of these types of people because we do need more of a presence and I think they're off to a really good start, but I mean, it's, it makes my trainer rides go a lot faster when I have content to look at and it makes me, makes me motivated myself. 
Yeah, that's that's a good point, Elliot, because I think that as more and more people learn about triathlons and I also thought too, you know, age grouper for life, you know, that's a, that's a really cool concept because a lot of people, they can only play a sport for so long, uh, you know, before they have to kind of hang it up. But where you guys have a sport where you can actually play or per- participate and compete for a long time. Uh, that's really appealing. I mean, it's not like you're, you know, you can golf with your buddies and use your handicap and, you know, it's, it's not the same versus being in a sport that actually supports multiple age groups and divisions and things like it does. Uh, I also have a great friend here in the Augusta area. Uh, her name is Sarah Fuller. Uh, she is quite the athlete and I never knew it. And that she was doing these triathlons. She's one of the leading people that brought this thing here and was part of marketing videos to get it here. So I think a lot of it is, is marketing the sport. And, you know, you look at a sport like baseball and if you're going to have lockouts and you're going to have labor issues, people aren't going to be as attracted to that sport anymore. And that's what's happening with lacrosse, quite honestly, is that as another spring sport, people are attracted to that because they know there's potential. Well, there's huge potential with triathlons because you can always be doing triathlons. And so I think that that message, if that can get out there and the work that you guys are doing, the PTO is doing, several other organizations and people are doing, that's going to be a win-win for the entire sport. So if you were asked to do a play-by-play broadcast of a triathlon, could you make it interesting? <laughs> Absolutely. I would, I would love to do that. That's not a bad idea, Elliot. Um, I could see a oh, Hold situation. on here. Hold on. Hold on. Greg's good, but I don't know if he's that good. I don't know if there's anybody good enough to make triathlon exciting. But <laughs> Well, you know, you know what? I, Elliot, I think you're actually onto something here. Because imagine if we could, and again, you guys will have to inform me on how this all works, but I'm sure that if I was at a certain stage, you know, of the event and there were numbers that you guys are wearing and, and, you know, we could at least say, Hey, here comes Colin Cook, you know, where he's based out of where he trains, you know, if we, if we had little bios on half these people, boy, wouldn't that be pretty cool to have them, you know, get some branding out of this um, and do a live video. I mean, we did that. I'll be honest. We did that for the Trek across Maine. Uh, that's yeah. a huge cycling event here in Maine. When I was working with the Trek, uh, you start broadcasting something live, people will watch, <laughs> you know, and uh, if, especially if they've got family or friends involved, they do that. We did that at the finish line. Uh, and you could see people come across and people be typing, oh, there was, you know, Johnny and oh, Johnny, you're so great. You know, like that kind of thing. I think you're onto something, Elliot, and I'd be happy to do that on the pliable YouTube page. We can get a live feed going. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah Ironman does do, uh, you know, some coverage of their events and uh, yeah. they do have uh, commentators, but, uh, you know, um, sitting there and, and watching for, you know, seven to nine hours or even technically 17 hours for the, everybody to finish, you know, it's, it's a long day. So that's yeah, the I only can thing I was, uh, I was busting your chops on there. Anybody's chops. Yeah. On, well, uh, I, st- I still uh, think there's an opportunity to get it out there. I, I yeah. think you're onto something. So yeah, totally. But I mean, the, at this point, the coverage is purely on the pros and, yeah. you know, there's really not as much recognition, you know, understandably so for the, for the age groupers and, uh, you know, but the, the brunt of what makes up the sport really 
Um, so, you know, absolutely. I think there's, there's some opportunity there. So I think there'd be some finish line stories that I'd love to see, you know, love to hear them when they're done right off. They just say, Hey, just finished. You know, this is the first race of the season, middle of the race season, you know, Hey, I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico, you know, whatever it is. Like, uh, I think those are cool stories. It could be like one minute little sound bites where these athletes could get on there and share their little story, you know, about how they, how they, how they competed today, how they felt about their race and, you know, all that stuff. Totally. Totally. You each have a story. Everybody's got a story. Like I said, you just got to tell it. That's the truth. That's the truth. So let's, let's talk a little bit, uh, shift gears slightly here. So you're also working with young athletes, right. And trying to help them, you know, get into college or something like that. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, this is another area where there's huge potential. So if you think about it right now, you've got name, image, and likeness at the college level that has exploded. Uh, and it's it's still a very early on. But you're getting athletes that are signing deals. Uh, there was one I heard about that some junior in high school has already got a nil deal for like $8 million that he's going to try and do. Wow. Uh, so, but, but people are going to hear more about it. It's going to be out there. And so people are going to be starting to think about their name, image, and likeness a lot more. And so what happens is if you picture that there's all these college athletes now, you're going to have the next wave of college athletes four years behind. Well, if those high school athletes now start thinking about building their brand and starting to think about who they are as an athlete, get their social media in check, because there's some that are not in check right now (laughs) uh, that need to take a little look in the mirror. But the idea is that if they build their brand now, Then four years from now, when they actually get to college, then they've got a platform, they've got followers, they've got a following that makes them attractive to a brand or a business that wants to do a name, image, and likeness deal. And that's why now high schoolers need to start thinking about it. Plus, it's going to help them get recruited. Because the other thing that happened during the pandemic was there was less travel for recruiting. Video became so much more important to be able to see these athletes. And so if they can package themselves into a nice marketing package and sell themselves, then they're going to get much more attention. They're going to get listed on these recruiting websites. They're going to have a video. They're going to have a headshot. Do you know how many, how many websites I've seen recruiting websites that don't have headshots of kids? I mean, that's just unbelievable to me. How are you supposed to brand yourself if they don't even know what you look like? (laughs) So, uh, so that's another one, you know, it's just a small little detail, but, um, high school athletes right now are, are, you know, going to really see this as an opportunity. And I see it as an opportunity to help them because I've got more than 20 years of marketing PR and broadcasting experience, and we're going to put it to good use. So, uh, one of my athletes, I will, I will mention my first athlete, um, I got so lucky. I, I, you know, thank, thank the Lord. Uh, but Kaylin Bork and uh, she, she is top goal scorer in the state. Okay. And she's got a dad who's involved in a marketing and video production company. So you can imagine the video content we have on Kaylin Bork. <laughs> Uh, so it's pretty good. And, uh, she, she's gonna, she's gonna have real good potential to go D one, but, uh, a lot of the work we did with her, she got professional media training. I mean, well, how many high school kids do we know that get professional media training? So, you know, she's gonna have a huge leg up. What about even the college kids? I don't think they're getting, Oh that. yeah. <laughs> it's gonna say, right. You exactly. Know, yeah. So that's yep. ahead of the curve for sure. Um, yep. nice. So when you say, you know, managing their social media presence, like what is, what does that mean to you? Yeah. So it, it really means as what I have, I like to have my 10 step 
pliable athlete branding playbook. And so I go through a 10-step process where I start to learn first about the athlete. I need to know everything about you, more than 100 questions, go into detail, and what makes you unique. Because every athlete is an athlete, but as we said, there's a story to be told. So we got to figure out what your story is. And then from there, I'll research what does your social media look like? Do you have TikTok videos? Do you have YouTube videos? What are you posting about? What are you, why are you posting, right? Because some of these kids, they don't even know why they're posting. They're just doing it because it's fun and, you know, it looks good. Uh, but you have to think about the different audiences that could see that social media post. It could be a coach. It could be a recruiter. It could be a future employer, quite honestly. Uh, and that the internet doesn't go away. So that people need to be aware of that. So when I manage uh, an athlete, I like to do the 10-step process that helps me really get to know them. I give them the skills and tools to make themselves more marketable. And through that process, they learn about what they should and should not be doing. Uh, but then when I manage an athlete's social media accounts, it is about the content. It's like, you can't just put up one post every six months because then it looks like you're not even active. Um, so there's ways to manage it. There's ways to plan content. Uh, you guys know what it's like when you have a podcast. It's it's kind of like, you know, you have to feed the beast and you've got to continue to schedule episodes and you've got to continue to schedule content. And that's the same thing it is for these athletes. They need to be thinking about what am I going to post next week? What big game do I have coming up? How can I leverage that? How can I get my name out there? Who am I tagging, right? The opportunity to tag people. I'll be honest. The other thing that's incredible that it's really important to think about is if you don't have a social media presence and let's say you have something amazing happen or you're a fantastic athlete, it's very hard for the media if they want to do a story on you to get in touch with you because they're not going to find your email address. They're going to have to find your parents and where they probably work and then find their email address. And so it's really a lot harder. So you want to have a social media presence. And I always say less is more. Do, do, Good social media, but don't go overboard because if you get too many going, you can't manage it all. Yeah, yeah. So that's let's. How about a little quick nugget here? Like, what do you think? Like, I'm sure it varies quite a bit, but what would you say is a generally good cadence for like posting and things like that? Yeah. So I would say that an athlete really needs to be posting at least once a week. I mean, that's just at the bare minimum uh, because you need to stay top of mind with your target audience. If they don't hear from you then you're not going to be top of mind. And you're also not going to be as attractive to a brand sponsorship if you don't make posts and if you don't grow your following. You know, when I started my company, I started with, first of all, claiming the social media that you need to claim before so that you get your name, you can, you can spell it right, you can do what you need to do. Uh, and then you start thinking about your content and planning it out. Because if you think about it in advance and also build an archive, one of my big things with athletes is let's do a full day photo shoot and let's get as many photos as we can so that then you're not having to think about, oh, what, what photo am I going to use? Instead, you can just pull from an ever ending archive of photos. Um, one of the best photos that I actually have uh, of Kaylin Bork is her on her backside. She's like in a turtle position. She's on the ground. But but that photo can be used when she has a rough day, you know, uh, and she's like, hey, you know, sometimes the day isn't going to go, you know, the way you want, but you get back up. You know what I mean? And so you can use photography in such a powerful way uh, that I think it's it's really critical that athletes do that. And the other thing I'll say too, Colin and Elliot, is that every athlete right now 
needs to be on Instagram. You need to be on Instagram. That is where all athletes are. That's where you're going to grow your following. That's where you can send messages. You can find a bunch of athletes. Funny story for you. I found uh, an athlete to connect with Kaylin Bork. She's a professional ice hockey player. I found her on Instagram and said, hey, I have a young female athlete. I'd like to connect you with, or just could you be a little mentor to her? And she said, absolutely, yes. I mean, it's it's just not that hard, guys. You know, it's like, that's that's an easy one. That's very cool. You're right. You know, I've, yep. and that was going to be a question, you know, like where you rank the different social media platforms and stuff like that, that, that makes sense, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but and I can tell you right cool. now, the, the young ones, the high school uh, athletes right now, they are so far away from Facebook because their parents are on it. That is not even funny. <laughs> you know, they don't want any part of that, but I, you know, you got to get for the parent to be on Instagram. You know what I mean? That's, that's a little bit more of a difficult thing because the Facebook generation is kind of these, you know, middle-aged adults right now. Um, it's funny because Facebook actually came out right when we graduated from college, Colin. Uh, I remember, I remember getting my first Facebook request and uh, I was like, what the heck is this thing? And, uh, sure enough, I was like, all right, accept, <laughs> you know, and little did I know here I would be, you know, networking with people, staying in touch with friends from way long ago. Um, and so it's important also too, that athletes think about it from a branding perspective and a networking perspective, you're going to have now a, a place where people can get in touch with you. I'm connecting with people back from high school on Instagram right now that are, you know, seeing my stuff and, and wanting to reconnect. Everybody should also, from your more professional athletes, you got to be on LinkedIn. You know, that's another one. You, it's just a no brainer, uh, because that's where the business platform is. Uh, so if you're looking for sponsorships and things like that, that's where people take you a little more seriously. Oh, that's an interesting thought there. It makes sense there. Yeah. Yep. Um, but uh, got it. So I guess I'll, I'll twist this a little bit. Um, yep. So what do you what do you say to the people that think that, you know, social media is just a uh, time suck and, you know, the I mean, I, I guess it's hard to argue there isn't certainly some drawbacks to social media, but like what's what's your kind of counter to that? Yeah. So I think that with social media, when used wisely uh, and the keyword being wisely, I think you can do a lot of great things. I do think that in this country, we are going to deal with an issue, which is going to be mental health around screen time, around social media, around uh, personal interaction. Uh, this generation that's coming up now, I am, I am worried because if you think about it, this generation has now been through a pandemic where they were all on screens learning they had very little interaction with other students. And if you're in a key development time period in your life, kind of like my daughter, really, honestly, um, where you're trying to figure out how to make friends and, and do things like that, and you don't get that experience. You know, I, I see it now, even at the high school level, they're just texting. It's all texting. There's no phone calls anymore. <laughs> like when I used to have to try and like make a phone call, you know, to my girlfriend or something, and I was trying to like be all sneaky about it. That doesn't even happen anymore. It's like not even a thing, you know? So I, I just worry a little bit, like you said, Colin, there is this, there is this possibility and it happens. Uh, you look at also the growth of esports, right? So how much we're on screens does matter. And I'm hoping that what will eventually happen is that people will use social media as a way to grow their network and interact with people, ideally in person, you know? There you go. Yeah. yeah. 
totally true. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is definitely a challenge and I certainly see it. And, you know, it's as a parent, I guess I'll take it on a quick tangent. I mean, yeah, I know I'm on my phone or my computer, sadly, you know, a, a lot, you know, and my kids see me in front of that. So they think that's what's cool, you know, or that's what they should be doing. And, you know, my oldest, my nine-year-old now is, you know, been begging for a phone for two years already, you know, and it's like, <laughs> it's just, uh, it's, it's sad in a way, you know, um, but at the same time, I can't blame him for wanting to do it. And that is definitely the cultural norm these days that I think is only going to get worse, you know? Yeah. It's a great point. I'll, I'll go on my little, my parenting tangent as well. So every night I put Kelsey to bed and, uh, she's got three different devices. She's got like the first generation mini iPad. She's got, uh, her little Kindle. And then she's got uh, another device that she's got up there. And basically she uses all three to be like on Roblox to then talk to her friends in one other device. And then the other ones for like another screen. And I'm like, wow. And she, every night, you know, she's very diligent. She will charge those devices, you know, so maybe it's teaching them a little bit of responsibility uh, to make sure they charge them. But I mean, that's what this generation is growing up with. And so it'll yeah. be very interesting to see how, they take that and what they, they do with it. So my, my oldest there, Calvin, uh, he made his first Amazon purchase on my wife's phone when he was four years old. <laughs> oh, wow. Was that yeah. an authorized purchase or that was not an authorized purchase? So, uh, uh it's, and, uh, while we're on it, my, uh, third child who's now five, I think he must've been four. Uh, my wife likes to queue up a bunch of stuff in her Amazon account. He put oh. in over a thousand dollar purchase one day. <laughs> add to cart buy yeah. cart <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, you gotta be careful with that stuff here and there's a reason uh you know i totally understand it's it's so easy if you're in a situation to just give your kid a phone to kind of relax you know get them off yeah. here but uh i will say my kids do not touch my phone my phone is it, off limits you know for, there you go well you know you part. think about it too i mean think about this generation and you think about road trips right it's so Back when you and I were traveling to hockey rinks, you know, as kids, you know, you'd go on quite a, quite a road trip, you know, and uh, you didn't have a TV or an iPad in the back to be able to watch. And we actually had real conversations, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. I just, I just hope that we can kind of still have that because our kids need that. And, um, you know, I, I think about a that a lot. And so I'm hoping that, uh, you know, people will realize that uh, it's really important to have that interaction with your with your children. Um, and yeah. that's important. So, And, you know, it's OK to to be bored. Right. And our mind needs yeah. to be bored, you know, and have some time to itself, which, you know, we're constantly in a state where we have to be engaged, you know. Yeah. But uh, and that's uh, the thing. Mean... That's the beauty. That's the beauty about Maine. You know, a lot of people come here to vacation because they know they can get in the woods and they're not going to get cell service. So there you go. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah try getting a kid up here, try and get, you know, a family of three up here and then tell them they have no Wi-Fi. <laughs> See how that goes, you know, <laughs> such a good point. But yeah. no, but I certainly, again, absolutely has its uh, has its value and, you know, using it and leveraging it correctly is is uh, can really bring a lot of value there. So yeah. um, so. So why, I guess, so see, and maybe you're still learning on this here, but as, you know, uh, as a triathlete, let's say, you know, uh, you know, you've got a successful job and you're kind of just doing it leisurely. What, what do you see the value of, of working with somebody like yourself, um, to, you know, up your, your presence? What do you think that could maybe bring? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one thing is that there is now with name image and likeness opportunities at the college level. 
I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities, even for other athletes that are not in college, to start to use their name, image, and likeness in different ways. So, for example, this means leveraging it on some websites that now are having these athletes from college go there, but also they also have other athletes. So you look at a site like Icon Source or Open Doors, where you can go on there, you can create a profile, you will, you'll get a chance to see brands. You can see large name brands. You can see small, small startup companies. And they'll either be offering you product for free or they'll offer you money for social media posts, which by the way, gets back to, you got to have a strong following or else they're going to be like, we're not paying you 500 bucks for one post when you have six followers. You know, like, uh, so it's important to obviously grow that following and also to make sure that they're building their brand. Again, if you don't know who you are and what your story is, like if you can't tell your story to somebody that's gonna you know, talk to you in a bar or you're gonna sit there at, at a restaurant or you're gonna be in an elevator, what are you coming out with? Because you gotta hit them good right over the head first. And if you don't, you know that's, that's not gonna do you any good. So I'd work with them to build their story, tell that story, and then we've gotta give them the tools to be able to be successful. So that's message mapping. That's what are your talking points, your key messages. We got to have a visual brand. You know, a lot of athletes nowadays, they're creating these brands. What they're doing is giving themselves a way to represent themselves in a different way than a photo or, you know, a lot of times athletes are in sports where you can't see their face, you know, hockey, maybe with the cages and everything like that. So having a, a logo really helps. Um, it's also something you can wear, right? So if I can now as a brand attach myself to another quality brand, for example, Adidas right now, they just came out with a bunch of uh, opportunities for college athletes. And they want those athletes to represent the Adidas brand because they realize there's value there. Uh, so if you have your own logo, then all of a sudden you can have your logo next to the brand's logo and there's equity there and, and there's value. Uh, so I, I would work with them to, to build a logo. And then you've got to have media training. Colin and I have talked about this before. You know, if you get interviewed or you're not selling yourself, if you're not a local athlete in your community and you're going to go participate in a triathlon, you should be telling the media about that. You should be getting a story beforehand that says, you know, Bob Smith is going off to go compete in this you know, event that's a great opportunity to get local exposure and think about the local companies or brands that might want to say, Hey, do you need sponsorship? Do you need help? You know, we'd love to support you and build it local. Cause that's one of the things too, with the media, it all starts local and then it grows from there. Um, but if you don't look good on camera, you don't sound good on camera. No one's going to want to talk to you. You know what I mean? So, right. Right. That's a, that's that's a good one. point. I mean, I think I would also for our listeners, especially most of those being triathletes, you know, think about, you know, that maybe they're not winning their age group or they feel like they're not fast enough to deserve these kind of things. But, you know, when you really think about the people in your, your life and that you probably have awareness to, um, you know, from, you know, high school, college, whatever it is, they're just friends and things, you know, when you look at how, you know, not as lazy basically, or on, you know, how much our basic society isn't, isn't moving and how inspiring just doing a triathlon is regardless of where you finish, you know, you really are at, at the upper echelon of, of active people and proving, you know, a good, healthy lifestyle. So I think that overall triathletes have a lot to, to, you know, be proud of for sure. And also to, you know, expose and, and represent. Absolutely. And that, that to me comes along with having what I call an athlete brand. 
if you participate in athletics, or I'll even go this far, guys. I think you brought up a great point, Colin. If you are in the athlete space, wellness, committed to your physical fitness, you are an athlete. You are taking care of your body and you are in it for the long term, right? So that's the way I look at it as an athlete. You're trying to take care of yourself because you have a purpose. And it can be a purpose for your sport or it can be a purpose for your health. It can be a purpose for your mental health is right. that you're an athlete. And so the more popularity you have as an athlete, obviously the better. But when you go and you apply for a job and you can say, I was a, you know, even a high school athlete or I was a D1 or a D3 athlete, you now have elevated yourself above the person who might have another resume that didn't play sports, might not have that team culture, that team environment. They might not be able to have discipline like you have to have when you're an athlete to go to the gym every day, to do the same routine, do something a little different, mix it up. You have a brand as an athlete. And that's what I want to help people tell their stories because everyone has it. And it's a great way to get a leg up. It's going to give you an immediate way to get in the door with the media because you are different. You are unique. It doesn't matter. Not that it doesn't matter how good you are, but don't let that stop you. Don't right. let that make you think that you're not good enough because you are good enough. And trust me, I, I can barely guys swim like three laps in a pool. So, so like swimming's not my thing, but guess what? I know how hard it is. And I'm like, what you guys do is incredible. <laughs> well, you know, eventually I was going to get there, Greg, you know, if you keep getting into this more, we're going to have to start where, you know, talking about you getting into a race here or something here. Man. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say that that may be uh, on the list. Uh, so, I mean, I, you know, funny story guys. I mean, this is how it happens and this is what I'm trying to do. Uh, and I'll, I'll mention my mission E50. Uh, which is my company's commitment to increase the popularity of women's sports. Because as the dad of a 10-year-old daughter, I can tell you I've seen the inequality uh, and it's not okay. And I actually think that with what you've got going on with triathlons is unique because there's a great opportunity for women to get involved Absolutely. in triathlons. Yeah. And as I said, mentioning Sarah Fuller earlier, that's a great person, a great example of someone who you know, took their athlete brand and now has used it uh, to go and do triathlons. And I think that the female uh, space, okay, is going to grow tenfold, if not even more in the next five to 10 years. Okay. So that's one key. If I was looking at Ironmans and telling stories, getting more female athletes, getting more brands that care about females, to jump on board, that is a huge opportunity. Huge opportunity. Very cool. Very cool. Nice. And uh, by oh. the way, I, I want to finish that. Let me let me say by saying that I had my daughter participate in the trek across Maine. So they went they went virtual, right? So a lot, yeah. a lot of these events, you know, went virtual. You cycle in your basement, you know, whatever that kind of thing. Uh, they went virtual during the pandemic and uh, through the agency I was working with, I had a chance to, to work for the track and do their marketing and PR. And uh, I wanted to do the trek. And so I then got my daughter, Kelsey, on her training wheels. She literally went, it was, it was March, 2020, because it was starting to get springtime here in Maine. And if you're familiar with Maine, the snow doesn't melt till about April. So we were, we were out there and uh, she's got, you know, there's snow on the sides of the road, but we're in the middle, you know, and she's, she's going through it uh, with her training wheels. 
And then by the time the, uh, you know, event was, you know, scheduled to start, you could do it pretty much all spring and summer. You then had to just go 180 miles and she had busted off those training wheels. We went our 180 miles. Uh, and the one thing she loved guys, you'll get a chuckle out of this is that she didn't like, like going long distances, <laughs> you know, she just liked the short rides. Oh, well, yeah. this was perfect for virtual because all we had to do was just do like two miles a day. So yeah. we would, we would go down the end of the street. We have a dead end circle. And so she'd go to the dead end circle. We would just do loops, loops, <laughs> loops, loops, because there's no traffic. Yeah. You're just racking up miles on my watch. You know what I mean? And so it was a safe place, but here she is at nine years old to say she went 180 miles and did the trek across Maine during COVID-19. What, what a powerful statement that is, that is if you're going to be a future you know, employer looking to hire her. Well, future triathlete too, if she can handle I was that gonna say, money, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we should have, we should have got her time. You're right. We should have. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's incredible. I didn't realize that one. That is very, very cool. And yes, I can certainly attest to the short bike rides, you know, uh, got one lined up for this afternoon. We usually do maybe two miles. Yeah. You know, really? Just, okay. There you go. Oh yeah. 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 But it's just got to uh, get out there, right? Just get out there. Absolutely. Fresh yeah. air if you can, you know, it's good. Healthy. Yeah. Very cool. All right, Greg. So um, how can people get in touch with you here? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at pliablemarketing.com. That's the website. I've got a whole section for athletes. So up at the top, it says athlete. You can drop that down. You'll see the athlete uh, part has the athlete branding playbook. If you're in college, if you're a professional, if you're retired, if you think you're retired or you think you want to retire, uh, you know, I help those athletes as well. Uh, so you can check it all out at pliablemarketing.com. Also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube, because uh, you got to be social to be social, you know? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so those of you planning to uh, compete in Maine, 70.3, yes. right? And uh, also we're still in discussions on it, but uh, somebody also may be making a trip out west to, uh, to St. George here too, right? Really? Absol absolutely. Yeah, I was talking with the fam here today. Or actually, uh, today we've been talking about it a little bit more every day. Uh, but the idea that, uh, you know, Kelsey's got some cousins out in Utah. That's so right. that's that's, right. that's an incentive to get the fam out there and uh, take a trip. Meanwhile, I'll be taking photos of you guys left and right. Uh, and doing the whole the whole Iron Man thing with you guys and uh, capturing that because I want to see it uh, in person. I want to see how this really the sport is evolving and see the stories. Uh, and I'll tell you, this kind of gets back to the pandemic and everything. But there's nothing like being in person at a sporting event. You know, there's just there's no substitution for that, guys. And that's the beauty no. of sports. Yep. Well said. Well said. Yep. Very cool. All right, Greg. Well, uh, thank you so much for being on and I uh, hope everybody enjoyed that, learned some things and are thinking about their social media presence here um, as we move forward here. And uh, thanks again, Greg, for being on and we'll, we'll talk to everybody sooner. All right. Sounds good. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Greg.